Hallelujah. Oh, God, we give you glory. We give you honor today, Lord. We know you're no ordinary God. There's none like you in all the earth. And we come to bless your name today. We come to magnify the Lord today. We come to lift you up today, Lord, because you're good. And we say thank you. Anybody thankful today in the house? Hallelujah. Ain't he worthy? Ain't he worthy? The king of glory. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in power. Lift up your hands on you gates. And be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Hallelujah. Hey. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I guess we switching pulpits today, huh? <laughs> Kingdom of God Ministries is looking forward. They are cooking up a storm for you guys. Those of you who can make it, they got desserts. They got greens, macaroni. They, they, they can't wait to see y'all because we still in the school, so, you know, we don't get out that much, but don't despise small beginnings. Amen. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for the invitation. My pastor, thank you for loaning your pulpit. And I pray that the Lord will bless our youth and young adults today with his word. If he doesn't bless you with this word, I want you to know you've been a blessing to me. Amen. Amen. Because y'all can sing. Might want to borrow them one time, Pastor. <laughs> Amen. We all one family. So those of you who may need a physical address, it's 636 Prospect Place. South Avondale School is right off of Reading Road. So we're looking forward to seeing you. But today I pray that we will hear from the Lord at this time. I have a title for what he gave me. It's called Preparation for Success. Preparation for Success. And the subtitle was Why the Struggle? Preparation for the success, but why the struggle? Why the problems? And why the issues? If I'm supposed to be reigning like a king and a queen, then why am I going through what I'm going through? Yeah. Lord, we don't need three points in a poem. We need a word from the throne room of heaven. So I pray, Lord, that you would bless your people today with your word and with your presence. We give you glory because you've been good. We give you honor because you are king of glory. And we thank you. Now, Lord, preach. <laughs> give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm in Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. 
And only if you are able, would you please stand for the reading of the word. And we will read responsively, if you don't mind. I'll read verse 1, you read verse 2, we'll end at verse 11 together. Is that okay? okay. Amen. Verse 1 says this. It says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. Verse 2. come to those names, I just clear my throat. <laughs> Verse 3 says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. Now, Joseph had a dream. Any dreamers in the house? And he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. There were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then he dreamed still another dream and he told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream and this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. Let's read verse 11 together. And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Amen. You may be seated. Preparation for success. Then why the struggle? Are you old enough to have gone through any struggles? I talked to young people a couple of weeks ago at our church, and I asked them, I said, if God was standing right here and you could see him with your naked eye, what would you ask him? Oh, they have some very insightful questions. And one of them said, why do you keep forgiving us so much? Wow. I asked if they would struggle with anything, and one young lady said, school. School. And I learned that God, when some of our young people, they go through things we may not be aware of. They are faced with more things than we were ever faced with. Before it was just spitting the gum out in class, now it's making sure they don't have Uzis. They've seen things with social media more than we've ever seen in our lives. They're bombarded with so much stuff that sometimes they can't even 
<laughs> make sense of the things that the enemy is sending into their lives. And so I began to look at some of the young people in the Bible and I said, well, how old do you have to be for God to use you? How old do you have to be? And then I stumbled across where Joash was eight years old when he was appointed as king over a country. Blew me away. Eight years old, Second Chronicles, appointed king. Isaiah was 16 years old when he was king. And, but he got full of himself because, you know, he thought he could do something that only was designated for the priests. And they told him he couldn't go in. But since he was the king, he thought he could do anything he wanted. And then he became a leper until the day he died. And they said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Sometimes certain things got to die in your life so you can get a greater glimpse of who God is. And then don't, get for, don't forget Josiah. Josiah was eight years old. He was one of the most godly kings. He did away with idolatry. He restored the temple. He restored worship at the age of 16. Wow. If God can do that with them, what can he do with you? Here's what I come to find out. A young age, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how old you are. All you have to do is be available. David was a teenager when God called him. And then David was going to fight Goliath when nobody else wanted to fight him. Saul said, you ain't but a youth. He's been a warrior since his youth. You're not able. Don't ever let nobody tell you you're not able. If God has placed it in your heart to do great exploits on his behalf, we, we, we live in a society now that we believe we have to perform to own God's blessings. I come to tell you, you don't have to perform. A lot of things think we have to work in order to earn God's blessings. No, you don't have to work. In order to please God, you got to have faith. Uh, somebody, somebody just said, but faith without yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about the works of the flesh. See, the work of faith is actually expresses the character and nature of God, which is the work of love. <laughs> see, see, the Bible says faith worketh through love, not through flesh. <laughs> and then Mary, did you know Mary was only a teenager when she, when God, the angel showed up and said, you're going to have a baby. She said, how can this be when I've never known a man? He said, the Holy Spirit shall come up over you and overshadow you. And you shall conceive in your womb a son and his name shall be called Jesus. And he will sit on the throne of his father, David, and reign forever. We have Joseph right here. He ain't nothing but 17 years old. 17. 17. I was driving, had my own car. 1969 Skylark convertible, my first car. Got it painted, got a new top, it got more attention than anything. And I thought I was living large and not knowing that God could have used me. God could have used me, but I didn't make myself available. Not only did I not make myself available, nobody told me about God. Nobody told me about God. At 17, he had some dreams. Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph was a dreamer. God spoke to him about some dreams and, and noticed that, that, that he had some enemies within his own family. Yes, 
said that his brothers hated him. Not only did they hate him, but you'll see towards the end, they wanted to kill him. One of the things that I know, and you can write this down if you want, God has one ultimate goal for every one of us. What is that ultimate goal? God, whom he foreknew, he also be predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. That is the ultimate goal for all of us. He said, I want you to look like my son. So Joseph is a perfect type of Jesus Christ. What God did is he took imperfect man and painted a glorious picture of himself by using mankind. And he wants to use you and me. He wants us to look like Jesus in every facet. That's why he says, let this mind beware in you, which is also in Christ. And so God doesn't waste anything that you and I go through. He doesn't waste nothing. Joseph had some dreams. He said, not only did I have a sheep, but you had some sheaves. And your sheep surrounded me, and they bowed down to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your sheep bowed down to me. That didn't make his brothers happy, by the way. The Bible says they hated him even more because not only did, was he daddy's favorite, that ought to tell us something about parenting, is, is, is also that he gave him a coat of many colors, and then he's going to tell us that he's going to reign over us? Wait a minute. And then he told that the sun and the moon and the stars... We're going to bow down to him. His father was like, well, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait a minute, son. You mean to tell me me, your mother, and your brother's going to bow down to you? And he rebuked him. His own daddy rebuked him. See, when God gives you a dream, everybody else may not be on tune with you. I got, I got, I got two girls. One's 19. She's in college. One's 17. And they're teenagers. My 17-year-old, my she astounds me sometimes, and sometimes she, I'm like, where did you get that from? She came to me one day, and she said, Dad, this is what I'm going to do. She said, I'm going to go to Scarlet Coast. I'm going to take cosmetology, so then when I go to, co- to college for my pharmaceutical degree, I'll be able to do hair and make money while I'm in college. I said, where do I sign? <laughs> because at 17, I wasn't thinking like that. Can I get you to say one word for me? Say preparation. Preparation. God is preparing her for something. God is preparing you for something. He already dropped the inkling of it down in your heart. You may not see it fully, but what God did with, with, with my man Joseph is he gave him the promise, but not the process. Did you hear me? He gave him the promise, but not the process. God has given you some promise, not just the, the young adults, but he's given you some promises, but he hasn't given you the process on how he's going to bring it up. See, a lot of times we think God starts on the outside, but God starts on the inside. He always starts on the inside out. One of my favorite scriptures is my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. God says, I don't think like you. I think outside the box. He had some dreams. His sheaves would mean he was going to be, guess what, a ruler over the resources of the earth. And then the sun, the moon, and the stars that govern the earth, you're going to be ruler over rulers of the earth. <laughs> you're going to be, wait a minute, a 17-year-old, God's giving me, God's talking to me about a promise where I'm going to be large and in charge. 
Oh my God. Yes, yes. See, we, 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 we have forgotten that God has established a kingdom. The Bible says that you and I are kings and priests. He says that what is man that you are mindful of him, that you put everything under his feet, that you crowned him with glory and honor. Is anybody in here walking in their God-given authority that when I walk into school, stuff's got to bow down to me because of who I belong to? God is preparing you. And he will start at a very young age. I wish somebody would have told me that. I wish I would have known that I could be starting to get prepared at the age of two. At the age of one. God says, wait a minute, in your mother's womb. You could have been, she could have been speaking over you in your womb. Because before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I ordained you a prophet before you were even born. Before you were even conceived, I knew who you were. I knew you by name. The numbers, the hairs on your head were numbered, not counted. So when 1001 fell out, I knew which one it was. Hug. I, I come to tell you, let, listen to me. God will blow your ever-loving mind. Oh, yes, he will. You know, I'm, one of the greatest things, I done left my notes. Is, is it all right? One of the greatest things, Pastor, is when I have Bible study with the Holy Spirit. I said, God, when's the first time you mentioned love in the Bible? <laughs> uh, you know, he took me. The first time the word love is mentioned in the Bible, when he said, Abraham, take your son, the only son you love. It wasn't, it wasn't a husband's love for his wife. It wasn't a wife's love for the husband. It was a father's love for his son. Picture of Christ. Because all we're doing is painting the picture of Jesus. Everything about your life is going to give an example of what Jesus looks like. Then I asked him, I said, when's the first time the word worship appears in the Bible? He said, me and the lad are going to go up and worship and come back. Then you know what he told me? That's how you worship in spirit and truth. The foundation of worship is what I did with my son to get you back to me. <laughs> so, so when you sing and you don't have to try to, to conjure people up to worship, just, just, just think about Abraham taking his child up the hill, then replace it with God taking Jesus up the hill. And he's doing it not for him, he's doing it for you. The Holy Spirit in you will grab a hold of that. And before you know it, you're saying, she ain't number 12 years old. What she know about? She done had an encounter with God at the age of 12 years old. Me and my daughter was watching TV one time. My baby was sitting down on the floor and she was stretched out. We was watching the, that's when TBN was at its height. And I looked over at the bed and I said, go look at your daughter. She was stressed out as they were singing glory to God. And she was number eight years old. And I said, she worshiping. She worshiping at eight years old. <laughs> she was a child. He's preparing them right now. He's preparing you right now. He's giving you some dreams. You already got a, you already got a taste of what you think you want to be. Yeah. But it looks too big for you. Because if it wasn't, it wouldn't be from God. <laughs> God doesn't give you what you can handle. 
God gives you what he can handle. <laughs> but what God does is he prepares you to handle what he has for you. Can I share something with you? Because if, a lot of times you, you get saved and you say, okay, God, give it to me right now. But God says, no, because if I give it to you right now and you're not prepared, what I have to bless you will kill you. <laughs> what I have for you won't be a blessing. It'll hurt you. You don't give a two-year-old a steak knife. Uh, <laughs> watch this, verse 5. Verse 5 says this, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. Wait a minute, your promise may, may, may not make other people happy. Your promise may not make other people happy. Everybody that say you, they your friend, they ain't your friend. <laughs> now y'all might be too young to, to know this song but then again there's you two they smile in your face all the time hello <laughs> well look at that <laughs> now watch this watch this here's what I want you to get from this don't let people that think negative of you affect you. You want me to say it again? You're going to have some haters. But don't let the haters dictate your future. Hello? See, here's what we don't understand. You need haters. Oh, see, y'all didn't catch that. You, you need to be rejected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see, because if you're not rejected, you think you fit in where you're not supposed to be in. Ooh. God can't use you until you've been rejected. Uh-huh. And you thought it was the job. Mm. Right, see, God will cause some things to happen. He will allow some things to happen. He allowed them to hate him. He allowed his brothers to hate him. Because you think, because that's the end crowd, if I could just fit in with them, God says, no, I don't want you in with them. They're not the standard. See, I called you out from them. See, you're special. People know that there's something different about you, so you don't always fit. Uh, God says, so quit trying. <laughs> he said, quit trying to fit. I made you different. You're like a fingerprint. You're like a thumbprint. There's no two alike. The doors I want are going to open for you. Nobody else can walk through but you. The reason why you need haters is God says, I'm going to prepare a table. Hello, somebody. In the presence of your enemies. <laughs> In the presence of all your haters. All the people who talked about you, put you down, drag your name through the dirt. God said, I'm going to bless you right in the midst of them. And so I need an audience, so you need some haters. Uh, uh. You say, give me some Bible. The stone that the builders rejected became the chief cornerstone. Just like they rejected Jesus, 
they rejected Joseph. Hallelujah. And God says, did your heirs and your joint heirs, and if you suffer with me, I also you will be glorified with me. Why the struggle? Here's, here's the thing. Watch this. After God gives you a promise, are you with me so far? He's going to give you his promise, but here come the problems. Here's the thing. The promise, the problems don't look like the promise. You know what you do? You end up walking around. Did I hear you right? Because this don't look nothing like what you promised me. As a matter of fact, I think I made a mistake. How many people, and you don't have to raise your hand, if you knew what you know now, you would do it differently. <laughs> people raising their hand. I was like, you know. <laughs> Because here's what happened. Watch what happened. After, after he told them the dreams, then the father sent them off. And then he said, jo Joseph, I want you to go check on your brothers because, hey, they're over there in Shechem and go bring me back word. See, a lot of people thought that he was being a tattletale, but I think he was being governed by his daddy. Amen. You see what God is doing with him now? You see that? Even though he's one of the youngest, he's got him over them. He's overseeing them. He's bringing back word on them. He's already. It's subtle, but it's there. He didn't tell the oldest boy to keep an eye on everybody. He told the youngest boy, watch over them. See, everything you go through in school and relationships, and God is using all of that. He, he's working all things together for the good. And, and you may not see the good. He's like, why did they put me out? Why don't they want to be my friends? God says, because I didn't want them to be your friends. I, 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 they not the standard. I am. And so what I want you to do at a young age is keep your focus on me. See, some people, they have a problem with being by themselves. When I was in school, I took my little lunch tray, and I went over here where ain't nobody sitting. And I sat right there. Now, if you wanted to sit with me, cool. If not, I'm cool. I am cool all by myself. You say, well, wait a minute, you're not letting your light shine. Uh-huh, they can see my light real clear. Because <laughs> they're watching me, and when they watch me, I sit down. And then just before I eat, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this food that I'm about to receive. Blessed, sanctified, purified. I don't know whose hands been touching this, but before it goes over the tongue and down my esophagus, Lord, you bless it. And they think, and they're wondering, what is she doing? What is he doing? There's something different about you. The problem. Watch this. So Joseph is on his way to check on him. They say, Here he come, here he come, here he come. Let's kill him. Let's kill him. Let their own brother. Hatred, I tell you, boy, it doesn't. Hatred is something else. It's something else. You know, you ever seen the Jesus movie and they beat him? And, they, and he still looked like he intact? That, that, that's, that's not how it looked. That, that's not how it looked. Can I share something with you? They beat Jesus so bad, he did not look human. He was disfigured, configured, any type of figure but human figure. 
The closest you can get to the way Jesus was beat was Emmett Till. That young boy that they beat and dropped and hung him and put him in the, in the, in the river and his mother left his casket open. They wanted to kill their brother. Here's the thing. When you read the Bible, you're looking for Jesus. So watch this. So they said, let's kill him, right? And so, so, so Judah, Judah, Judah means what? Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Judah said, well, let's not kill him. Let's sell him. For the right price, people will sell you out. For the right price, people will sell you out. Now, I don't know why God does what he does, but God, when he had the 12 disciples, remember he said, I chose 12 of you and one of you is a devil? God will allow a devil in your circle. (laughs) Yeah, he will. That's why I try to tell my daughter, everybody ain't your friend. Everybody ain't your friend. Everybody ain't out for your good. Everybody, just because they smiling and saying, girl, and looking at your shoes and your clothes and wondering how can she afford that or how can he afford that, they looking at stuff and they don't see the real you. Watch this. I said, this is how awesome God is. Judah said selling. I found out that Judah in the Hebrew is the same name for Judas in the Greek. Same story, same name. It's a transliteration, transliteration of Judah. So if you take the Greek letter with the Hebrew letter, it comes out Judas in Greek and Judah in Hebrew. You say, why is that? Because he said, I'm painting a picture of my son with Joseph and I'm painting a picture of my son with you. <laughs> they wanted to kill him, threw him in the pit. I want to show you something. God... Can you, can you see, he knew his brothers didn't like him. Can, can you see Joseph, he in the pit, and he looking up? Now they pull him out and they sell him? Wait a minute, they sell him and not like, Lord, this doesn't look like the promise. <laughs> when are the sheaves going to bow? Because this, the scripture don't say that. I'm, I, this is probably me. I'm, because it doesn't have him complaining in the scriptures. But I would have been like, Lord, well, well, you know, what's, what's going on? <laughs> And now he's in Potiphar's house. But this is what the Bible says. It blew me away. It says, and he was sold to Potiphar, but the Lord was with Joseph. Look at that. He's a slave, but God didn't leave him. He's a slave. And then Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph. And everything he did, God caused it to prosper. See, see, God says, everything you do, if you include me, I'll cause it to prosper. I'll cause to bring myself glory. My daughter from college, she, she, she texted me. She said, Dad, she said, I didn't pass my test. And I said, she said, I'm going I'm to I'm try harder. I said, baby, let me ask you something. I said, did you study? She goes, yeah. You know how some people, when they take a test, they just, they clam up. I said, let me ask you something. I said, when you got stuck, did you say, Father, bring back the answers that I studied for this test? She said, no, sir. I said, the next time you run into a roadblock and you did your part, allow the Holy Spirit to do his part. And I will bring all things back to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. She said, yes, sir. Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph and made him overseer of his house. Wait a minute. He's a slave, but he running things. 
preparation. Where does God have you at? But he's using you to run some stuff. You may not like where you at. You may not like the teacher calling on you all the time. You may not like what's going on. But God says, you don't understand. I'm showcasing you in private. I'm putting you on display in private. But then here's where the test comes because now she's going to test Joseph's integrity and the wife of Potiphar wants to sleep with Joseph after she saw he looked good because he in control. Yeah, you in control and things. Why don't you come and sleep with me? You say, mm, should you be saying that? I think at the age of eight and nine, they now going around doing some stuff we ain't never done. And if they don't learn it here, then the Satan's going to teach them his way. But Joseph said, you know what? How can I do this great sin and sin against God? He said, no, God was allowing him to be tested with his integrity. Because where you go, God needs to trust you. Ooh, God wants to trust you. And then she lied on him and said, hey, he tried to sleep with me, told her husband. Now he's in jail. Lord, this don't look nothing like the promise. Mm -mm. I'm in jail now for doing the right thing. Have you, ever, have you ever been put down for doing the right thing? Have you ever been talked about for doing the right thing? Has people ever dragged your name through the mud for doing the right thing? Here you are. You up here. I'm walking with Jesus. And, and, and you know what Jesus said? In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Uh, he in jail now. I don't know about you, but I would have quit. I don't know about you, but I'm like, okay, where the she's, where the sun and the moon, where all this stuff you done promised me, this don't look like nothing that you told me it was going to be like, I, I can't go there, but God says, even though I'm, you're going through some problems, I want you to endure the pain. The pain may not be physical. It may be emotional. The pain may not be physical. It may be that you now God has separated you and isolated you. But the jailer saw that God was with Joseph and he made him in charge of the jail. Wait a minute. He was overseeing his brothers. He was overseeing Potiphar's house. Now he's running the jail and he a prisoner? Oh my God. He's preparing him in the darkest places. Preparation. Can somebody say preparation? See where you are is not where you're supposed to stay. Quit making your bed there. <laughs> Quit taking your sleep over. Hallelujah. Quit thinking that God has you a place and he's forgot about you. God says that, guess what? The farther I take you down, the higher I'm going to raise you up. God's got to do this. He's got to do this. I've learned, I'm learning. I told pastor I haven't learned, but I'm learning. It's got to be all of God. And so he breaks me. He breaks me ever so gently. It never feels good, but he breaks me. I heard one minister say this. He said, you remember when Jesus, after he risen from the dead, he took the bread, he blessed it, and then he broke it, and then he passed it around? That's what he does with us. We love the blessing, hallelujah, but then he breaks us. Why? So we could be passed around. <laughs> oh Lord I'm in jail you gave me a promise you got to be persistent you got to be persistent here's where suicide clicks in can we talk 
See, suicide kicks in when you want to give up because you see no hope for the future. See, see, they, see, Satan is busy. Satan come to do what? Kill. I asked God, I said, well, what does he want to kill? What does he want to steal? And what does he want to destroy? You know what God told me? He said he wants to kill your faith. He wants to steal your faith, kill your hope, and destroy your love. Steal your faith. Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith faileth not. Remember when they sold the seed? He came and he stole it. See, if you got no faith, you can't go forward. If you have no faith, it nullifies your hope. You're not expecting nothing. And whatever you put your faith in, you become one with. Bad or good. Whatever you put your faith in, you become one with and you reproduce what it has to offer. Did you hear me? So I can move 100 miles an hour because me and the car became one. And on the highway, I effortlessly put any effort. I just put my foot to the pedal and I can go 100 miles an hour because I believe that the car could do that. And watch this. So I experienced 100 miles an hour without running. I experienced what the car had to offer. So when you put your faith in the person, you only gather, get from them what they have to offer. That's why mommy and daddy be saying, don't hang around with them because they ain't got nothing to offer. <laughs> That's why when Eve put her faith in what Satan said, she became one with him and produced the evil that he had in himself. My question is, what are you believing in? Where's your hope at? Where's your faith? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I don't understand. But you got to be persistent. You got you to keep going. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. Don't give up because weeping may endure for a night. But what? But joy comes in the morning. He's in jail. A crime he didn't commit. Lord, where are you? I think Isaiah says this. Even though you walk through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And though you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And through the flame, it will not scorch you. I want you to know I chose you. And wherever you go, I'm going to be with you, protecting you. We were so worried about my baby going to college. And I was in prayer one day. The Lord said, I got her. I said, baby, I said, the Lord told me he got her. She said, that helps me. The Lord got her. And so now, what is God doing? James 1, 2, and 4 says this. It says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials and temptations for the testing of your faith produces character. Wait a minute. God, you're testing my faith now. Remember, you got to be tested and approved before God releases you. You got to be tested and approved before God releases you. You got to be tested and approved before God releases you. God tests you first. You fail the test. God says, we got to make up tests. You fail that test. God said, we got another test. You fail that test. God said, I, I got as many failures that you got. I got more tests. And I'm going to keep testing you until we get it right. Before, before he led Jesus out to do his public ministry, the Bible says he hadn't eaten for 40 days and he was tempted by the devil. And after he passed all the tests, then he went out doing great exploits for God. Lord, where's the promises? 
So then he's in jail and he interprets the dream of the baker and the butler. And he told the baker, he said, you're going you're gonna to be killed. But he told the butler, you're going to be restored. Kind of like Jesus on the cross, remember? He told one thief, he said, you're going to be with me today in paradise. Mm-hmm. And so then the one died and the other one lived. And so Joseph, just like Jesus, he was forgotten about. You didn't help people. You didn't counsel people. You were there when everybody else left them. And he said, when you get out, remember me. Tell, tell Pharaoh about me. People have that you have blessed have forgotten about you. And you say, I thought they was my friends. I thought they was my friends. See, our young adults, even grown-ups go through this. I didn't help them. I didn't help them move in. I, I, I blessed them. I, I paid their rent for them. I paid their utilities for them. And, and now I can't even get them to just run me to the store. We got a new theme at our church. It's called Love Like God. Love Like God. I've been studying the love of God, and I'll tell you right now, I shouldn't even be up here preaching. But God's love, His love, it blows my mind. He said, His love surpasses my understanding. I don't care how many times you messed up. I don't care how many times you've gone the wrong way. God's love for you will keep you. You thought it was your love for him. He said, no. He said, it's my love for you. God, how much do you love me? I love you this much. Hallelujah. I got to be persistent. Let Let me show you what that looks like. Brother Mate, can I use you real quick? This is what we do. Macon's a new, he's a new believer, and now he's staying right here. And now he, he, he's asking God for a Bible. I, I need you to very loudly pray for a Bible. Lord, give me a Bible. You stand up. You God. Okay, there's the Bible. Okay. Okay, now watch this. Here, I'm his angel. So I go... Lord, please give me a Bible. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. Give me a Bible. Give me a Bible, Lord. I just need a Bible, Lord. I just need a Bible, Lord. I just need a Bible, Lord. I guess you're not going to give me one. I guess you're not going to give me a Bible, Lord. He couldn't wait. The angel was on his way with what his request, and he wanted it right now. But you got to keep pressing, you got to keep going. You can't give up, even though it don't look like what he promised. Somebody say, Lord, I need a promise. Come on, say it again, Lord, I need a promise. Yea, I've been young and now I'm old. Yet have I seen the righteous forsaken on his seed begging bread. Somebody say, Lord, I need a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you always until the end of the age. Somebody say, Lord, I need a promise. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Somebody say, Lord, I need a promise. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff come from me. You need a promise? There's over 7,000 in the Bible. Start claiming what God has promised you. And now Pharaoh has a dream, and we're at the end. And now Pharaoh has a dream, and can't nobody interpret. But now I remember a fella in jail. He can interpret dreams. They call him up, wash him up, clean him up, and set him before Pharaoh. And he said, I hear you can interpret dreams. You know what he said? He said, no, God is the, God is the one who interprets dreams. So when God speaks, I tell you what he says. And so he told him his dream, and he said, the dream, you had two dreams, they are one. And it's going to happen real fast. Seven years, you're going to have plenty. And then seven years, there ain't going to be nothing. You're going to be in a famine. This is what you should do. Store up for the seven plentiful years. And then in the seven famine years, you have food. And you'll be able to sustain the country because you have planned and prepared. And he said, you, he said, put a man over to oversee that. He said, you. Where can we find such a one with the spirit of God? You're going to be over that. Here, come here, Joseph. Take my signet ring. Put a robe on him. And matter of fact, you're in control of everything over Egypt. And I want you to know, I want you to know that I'm going to take you through the town. I'm going to ride you in a chariot. And then they're going to bow when they see you. And the only person who's going to have more authority than you is me. God said, I created you kings and queens in the earth. I want you to know when you walk into school, take authority. God's child just walked in. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hallelujah. I wish somebody would have told me this. He put him in charge. Wait a minute. You, you mean me watching over my brothers? You mean me running Pharaoh's house? You mean me running the jail? Me being separated from my family, not seeing my little brother, not all of this was prepare me. Yeah. See, here, here's the thing. If I would have taken you and put you right in the promise, it would have been too much for you. So I grew you up in the difficulty around you because a whole nation of people was going to be dependent on you. You don't know if grandma, mom, sisters, brothers, aunt, cousins, everybody's going to be dependent on you because of where God placed you and positioned you. Can you imagine the weight he had on his shoulders that when seven years of famine came, they, Pharaoh said, don't come to me. Go see Joseph. Whatever Joseph says, you do what Joseph says. Joseph started having them barter their land. Joseph began to institute stuff. Joseph was the one feeding the land. And now his brothers get word. And they say, we hear that there's food down in Egypt. His brothers come down, don't even recognize who he is. And they bow down before him, not knowing that he's the king of Egypt. Because he doesn't look the same. He doesn't act the same. He doesn't dress the same. Hallelujah. That's why your friends, when God finally gets you to where you are, they're not going to recognize you. God, because you're going to be carrying some glory that you didn't get on your own. God has raised you up at such a time like this that people can see his glory flowing through you. 
So even though the preparation was painful, even though you had some problems, I want you to stick and hold on to the process. Why? I want you to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your what? Your work is not in vain. Keep pushing. Keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't give up. You'll get to the point where you say the suffering of this present world cannot be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to me. You can't carry the glory that God has for you until he prepares you for it. You know what the word glory means? It means weight. That's some weight that God wants you to carry. He wants to do it through you because you can't carry it on your own. So he puts you in places where you had to depend on him. He puts you in places where there was no mama, there was no daddy, there was no friends. He isolated you. He subjected you to things that you thought, what are you trying to do? Kill me? God says, no, I'm with you. I'm preparing you for greatness. I'm preparing you to rule. I'm preparing you to reign. I'm preparing you to go forward in my name. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every devil in hell will bow to you because I'm preparing you. I'm preparing you. So when you go to school Monday, right before you walk in the door, say this, peace be still. When you walk in the job, say, peace, be still. And even though the storm might come sometimes, say, Lord, today I'm walking on water. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Hmm. I want you. Here's another thing, God. This is the last thing. Here's another thing that God wants to prepare you for. God doesn't want you to hold any grudges against anybody who did you wrong. Now, somebody say, that's hard. <laughs> I had a mother, boy. She would tell you off in the grocery store. She whoop your behind in the grocery store. She dare anybody to say something. I had one of those Southern moms. You know what I'm talking about? But you're not. Genesis 50, 18 through 20. Watch Joseph. Watch this. Watch this. Genesis 50. 18 through 20. This is the last verse. Do you have it? It says, Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. There's those sheaves bowing. And they said, Behold, you are, we are your servants. See, they haven't gotten over the fact that they did him wrong. See, they still carrying the guilt. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you meant it for evil against me. But God, somebody say, but God. He meant it for good. Why? In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So I ain't got nothing against you. You thought you were doing me harm. You thought you were doing me wrong. You thought you were putting me down. You thought you were shutting me up. Like one old preacher say, people going to fold dirt on you. But I want you to be like the donkey and shake it off and take a step. And the more dirt they throw on you, you just shake it off. Take a step. 
It said the old man turned around and thought he buried the donkey. The donkey's standing there, staring him in the face. Every piece of dirt he threw on him, he just shook it off and stood on top of it. The enemy's going to throw some stuff at you. How do you shake it off? You get in the presence of God. Amen. Anybody remember Superman? Remember before he was Superman, he was who? Clark Kent needed what? To turn into Superman. He needed a telephone booth. We got cell phones now. We ain't got no booth. But the telephone booth was God's presence. Baby, you go in Clark Kent, you get in God's presence, and you come out super saint. Hallelujah. Devil's trip tonight can't take you down. And so, watch this. Even though it didn't look like the promise in the beginning, when it's all said and done, it's going to look better than the promise that you imagined. Remember Mary? Remember Mary? She said that he's going to reign. He's going to sit on the throne of his father David and his kingdom will be forever. Can you imagine Mary standing there at the cross saying, but this don't look like your promise. I thought you said he was going to sit on the throne. He's on the cross. This doesn't look like your cross. I don't even recognize my boy. Because you promised, Lord. You promised. But I want you to know it's preparation. It's preparation for his reigning. I want you to know something. That even while they're putting him down, they still got to look up at him. Hallelujah. <laughs> this doesn't look like the promise, God. I thought he was going to sit on the throne. But wait a minute. After they took him down and put him in the tomb, you didn't know that every sin that you committed and ever will commit, he took in with him. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm forgiven. My sins are forgotten. And then he came out of the tomb and he said, I left your sins in there. Don't go fishing for them. Hallelujah. And what they meant for evil, God turned it around and used it for good. That everybody that names the name of Jesus, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, God says you shall be saved. That's how I get started. By calling on his name. Knowing that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. You did that for me. Mary thought it was the end. But the end was only the beginning. Preparation for success. When God calls you, he's going to use you. Don't get so lonely that you want to give up. Don't get so scared that you want to throw in the towel. Remember.